Could we stand for the reading of the word? We'll be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 2, starting at the first verse. Then we turned and journeyed in the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me, and we skirted Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward. And command the people, saying, You are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau, who live in fear, and they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Do not meddle with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as one uh, footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall buy food for them with money, from them with money, that you may eat, and you shall also buy water from them with money, that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through the great wilderness these forty years. The Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Father, we ask that you add your blessing to the reading of the word. We ask, God, that this word, as we break the word of life, might come forth with power. We ask, Lord, that our hearts might be softened, that we might be very receptive to the word, and that the word would take deep root in our hearts, that our lives might be forever changed. God, your word is forever settled in heaven, and you said it would accomplish that for which you've sent it. So, God, we listen with intentness. We listen with open ears. God, speak to us now, and anoint this your servant to preach it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I know it's a little later than normal getting started here, so if I run over for a few minutes, I hope you'll bear with me. I believe the Word of God is important, and I don't think we ought to rush it. Let me ask you a question. How many here this morning sometimes feel like you're on a treadmill? Sometimes you feel like uh, you're going in big circles. Seems like you've been through this before and it's time to go on. Sometimes I feel that way. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes these words. He said, I'm always very distrustful of any Christian who tells me he or she knows nothing of depression. There is a, a course which says, now I am happy all the day. 
I do not believe that. There will be times when you are unhappy. There are these states and conditions of the soul, and sooner or later you learn to deal with them and how to handle them. The better it will be for you and for those with whom you live and work, the sooner we learn to deal with ourselves, to deal with the situations we're in. Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 3 says, Ye have compassed this mountain long enough. That is a statement that I would like to use for my text this morning. First of all, let's look at the present conditions here. They're wandering aimlessly. Round and around and around and around. It's a move without any progression. Compassing Mount Seir, going in circles. They were in a rut. How many of you feel like your life's in a rut? You know, someone said that a rut is a groove or a furrow or a track in the ground that is put there from constant use. And someone else said it's like a grave only longer. Ruts are brought about by habitually going over the same ground. It's brought about by habit. And habits can be good and habits can be bad. Good habits produce good actions, which produce good feelings. Bad habits produce wrong actions, which produce wrong feelings or bad feelings. Let's take the previous chapter and see what mistakes was made by these Israelites that brought about this going around and around in circles to begin with. To start with, in chapter 1, verses 22 through, 40, through 46, we find that they had sinned against God. The people had a plan. Verse 23, And the plan pleased me well. So I took twelve of your men, one man from each tribe, and they departed and went up to the mountains and came to the valley of Eshcol and spied it out. They also took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us, and they brought back word to us saying, It is a good land which the Lord our God is giving us. They had sent out spies to find out just exactly what kind of land it was. It was their plan that they would find out 
how strong and how much opposition there was and how good the land was. But no matter how good the plan, it must be from God, not from man. Jeremiah 17.5 says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You see, you can't depend on your own strength. We've got to do it in the Spirit of the Lord. We've got to listen to what God says. It's the only way. It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. And if we're going to take the land, if we're going to stop going in circles, if we're going to go on to see the will of God done in our lives, then we, we have got to listen to God and what God says, and we can't have our own plan. We find in verses 26 through 40 of chapter 1 that the people began to murmur. Oh, there's giants in the land. There's high and and uh, fortified cities, and it eats up its inhabitants. And it was strictly against what God had, what had come back from the spies when they first came back. They brought back this uh, stem of grapes that they had to carry it between two men on a pole. It was a good land. It was exactly what they wanted. It was what they were looking for. And God had said to them that they could go in and possess the land. But they began to murmur. Only two out of the twelve spies gave a good report. So when they got into troubles and they were going around Mount Seir, they could have blamed it on the other ten spies, couldn't they? Isn't it easy when, when we find ourselves in a rut and we find things going wrong? It's never my fault. It's always somebody else's fault. If you're a preacher, it's the people's fault. If you're the people, it's the preacher's fault. If you're one family in the church, it's some other family. It's their fault that we're not going forward, that we're not seeing the growth, that we're not evangelizing the city. you got problems in your life at home, it's my husband's fault. If you're the wife, if you're the husband, it's the wife's fault. 
And if it wasn't for those kids, why? Those teenagers. And the teenagers say, oh, if it wasn't my, my parents. We always want to blame it on somebody else. But God says that they tempted him ten times. Numbers 14. Numbers 14 and verse 22. Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times. Ten is a number of, uh, it's a number of completeness. You're going to have trouble ten days for an unknown. It's a completeness. And they had tempted him continuously. God says, go in and take the land. No, I can't go in and take that land. There's too much opposition there. God says, all right, don't go in and take the land. Oh, well, let, we, let's get on our armor. We're going to go. Sound like an unruly bunch, don't they? They always wanted to do just the opposite from what God wanted them to do. Complaining. And complaining can, can really get a person down. You ever fall into that trap of complaining about everything? You know, the soup's cold. Wife don't know how to cook. Uh, I'm tired of fixing anything for that old guy. He doesn't like anything anyway. Yakety yakety yak. You fall into traps like that. Don't let it happen. These people were rebellious, as we see in verses 41 through 46 of chapter 1 of Deuteronomy. It says, Then you answered and said to me, We have sinned against the Lord. We will go up. You know, God has a timetable. How many know that? God had said, I want you to go up. And they said, no, I'm not going. God says, all right, you don't want to go because you're afraid your children are going to fall and going to be killed and so forth. And it's too tough for you. You can stay here. We'll put you out in the wilderness. One day for... Uh, we're, uh, we're going to wait until everyone of uh, 20 years old and older is going to perish out there in the desert. We'll, we'll wait until everybody's perished out there. And they said, oh, wait, on second thought, we'll go. And they strap on their armor and everything, and they're going to go. And God says, I... No. And they went anyway. And they got beaten. Rebellion 
is the thing that I see here that brought about this going around and around in circles. They just plain refused to do what God wanted them to do when God wanted them to do it. You can't fight with undisciplined troops. Can you imagine what Desert Storm would have turned out like if, if uh, the general says, now, we're going to trick these guys, you see, and we'll make them believe that we're going to come in from the sea. And I want you guys to go over there, and I want you to put on a good pretense of coming in from the sea, you know. Meanwhile, we're going to sneak around and back, and we'll attack them from the other direction. And these guys that were supposed to go over by the sea said, no, we want to go over to the south. Or we don't want to go over there. Hey, there's landmines over there. We could step on I, I don't want to go over there. They're all prepared for us over there. I don't want to go over there. You can't fight with undisciplined troops. There can only be one commander. And our commander is in heaven. And he says, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And we say, No, I am going to sit here in my pew, and I am going to take it easy. Because if I go out there, they're going to persecute me. I open my mouth and... and People won't like me anymore. I might hurt somebody's feelers out there if I told them what rotten sinners they are. So I'm, I'm just going to sit right here. It's more fun to praise the Lord than it is to go out and and, and do the work of the Lord, I'm going to stay here. And God says, all right, sit there. No, I want to go. Can't you see how that's why a little church of 70 people stays a church of 70 people? It's not that God doesn't want the church to grow. It's because the people says, I will not go. There's a promised land right out there. All you got to do is take it. It's yours. Ask me and I'll give you the heathen for an inheritance. No. Too many giants in the land. I got the obstacles of money. I got the obstacles of my children taking up my time. I got the obstacles of I'm working too many jobs and I don't have time to do this. Excuses. Come on, let's, let's be honest with God at least. Excuses. We have time to do exactly what we want to do. If I want to watch a television program, I find the time. If I wanted to go to a picnic, I would soon find time to go. But I can't find time to go witness for God.
So we see in verse 1 of chapter 2, then we turned and journeyed in the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me. And we skirted Mount Seir for many days. Boy, is that an understatement. For many days. Look down at verse 14. It says, they did it for 38 years is what they did. Many days. I don't know whether this church has been here 38 years yet or not, but it's time that we stop going around and round and round where we have prosperity, where we have the opportunity to go forward, and we keep saying, no, I'm not going to go forward, and so we go around the circle again. People begin to argue amongst themselves. The church begins to collapse, and around and around the circle we go. It's time to go on, God says. It's time to go take the land. Hey, you, haven't you circled this mountain long enough? Aren't you tired of going around in circles? <clears throat> Seer was rugged country. And we go through hard times so we can learn to obey God. They had to follow the cloud by day, uh, day and the fire by night. And when the cloud lifted, they went. When the cloud sat down, they pitched their tents. And through it all, those 38 years, they were learning faith. And obedience. Faith and obedience. The next chance you get, maybe, and I say go in and take the land, maybe you won't rebel against me again. We'll wait until we get rid of all those rebels. Their bones are out in the desert. God wants obedient people. God wants people that'll do what He says for them to do. Hallelujah. Look over at Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 16, for who having heard rebelled indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? The ones that came out of Egypt, right? The ones that came out of sin. Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? Was it not to those who did not obey? So, we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. 
Unbelief is the thing that really keeps us from going forward with God. The just must live by faith. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith. Not being mixed with faith. We've heard the gospel message. We have the great commission. And we have to mix it with faith. And we have to begin to move out in faith believing that God is well able to bring us to that place of rest and that he will take the land, that we can rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. The work will get done because he's going to do it through us. Amen? So we come to, last of all, the possession. Verse 2 of our text And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You know, you can't do anything until you hear the voice of the Lord. And so, people, we have to hear what God is saying. Once you hear what God says, then do it. My sheep hear my voice and they do what? Follow me. We've got to learn to discern the voice of God. And we've got to begin to move in the realm that God has called us to go in. Ian Bounds said, the forces of intellect and culture may all be present, but without the inward heaven-given power, all spiritual effort is vain and unsuccessful. Your intellect might say, that's the way to do it. But if God didn't say do it, don't do it. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk in the Spirit and we don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We are led by the Spirit of God. Amen? And then in verse 4, it says, And commanded the people. See? You've got to wait for the command. I remember I used to get in a lot of trouble in the military about that. They'd say, halt, and I'd keep running. They'd, they, they'd say, uh, forward, and I'd start marching. Don't anticipate the commands, they'd say. Wait until I give the command. Well, we need to wait until God gives the command. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach us, Lord, to wait. And then when God says, go, go. Amen? 
If we don't learn anything else, let us learn the voice of God so that we're not going in circles. God normally don't take people in circles unless they don't learn the lessons the first time. I'm tired of going around and around that same old shahi bush out there in the middle of this desert land. I want to go in a new direction. I want to see this church move as God wants it to move. I want to see Jesus glorified in this community. Amen? So let's listen for God. And let's move by His commands. I'm tired of going in circles. Tired of being on a treadmill. You know, for I guess it's about 14 years I've been preaching now. 14, 15 16, I don't know. How long has it been? Huh? 34! <laughs> 14. Well, I'm tired of going around the same circle. I want to see God's work getting done. How about you? All those who want to see God's work getting done, would you stand up with me? Hallelujah. And I'm going to ask, hallelujah. Gil, if you can stop. Uh, are you able to talk? Good. Would you pray that God would start leading us in a direction and stop Stop us from going in circles.